the left has us all wrong. We don't want to simply turn the clock back to a time when the status quo of elitist deep state bureaucrats dominated us. We want to restore the republic our founders intended, an America that is of, by, and for the people. An America that abides by its constitution without fail. Coming to you from the land of common sense and American pride. The Patriot Review with Jeff Wagner starts now. Hello, Patriots. Welcome to episode 242 of the Patriot Review. This is socialism. That's what this episode is called. Today we're going to talk about and take a look at three video clips in particular that I think will leave you with some great talking points if you are talking with one of those lefties that just believes we should just give it all to the government, let the government take care of us completely in every way, and oh, let's uh, let's let them inject us with things that in the future will prove our downfall and <laughs> link all of humanity up into the ultimate control program. And that's exactly what's going on. You don't have to listen to me to understand that. There are people out there like Mr. Harari, who talks about it openly in the World Economic Forum and talk. they talk about their plan. Bill Gates talks about the plan. So I'm not just a loon. Anyway, we're going to talk about socialism, but before we do that, I have a few stories that I want to share with you. Number one, Biden, again totally lost, makes another embarrassing spectacle of himself where he urges Congress to pass NATO funding that isn't even on the table. So it, <laughs> in the latest damning debacle, the octogenarian confused NATO with the Ukraine while begging lawmakers to send an additional $95 billion in U.S. tax dollars to help foreign nations defend their borders. Def let, me, let me see that again. Defend their borders. I don't think this man even knows what borders are, does he? Of course he does, because this is all done by design, and what is happening at our border is to usher in socialism and to bring about the destruction of, of the United States, thereby bringing about the destruction of Western civilization. We see operatives like Biden, like uh, many leaders across the globe that uh, are for, in former, what I would call, uh, free countries that are pushing this garbage. And uh, here he is asking for more funding. Remember how Remember how uh, rabidly the left fought against defending our own border about building a wall, a wall that even though they had the material sitting on the ground to complete, they instead sold it off at, I don't know what it was on the dollar. Uh, some people say a nickel. I don't know. But uh, at, any rate, at any rate, the 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 message is, as it always is with the left, it is, if you're a freedom-loving American, that isn't acceptable. America being first is not acceptable. America should be last. America should be last. We should be doing things like this, funding the border protection in Ukraine while we bring in all these illegals, many of whom, yes, want a new life. Yes, I understand that. But unfortunately, many, many of them are coming in 
they are criminals, they have criminal records, or worse, they may be terrorists. And um, at the very time our FBI is planting agents in Christian churches across the country, they have the gonads to warn us that we are going to suffer a terrorist attack. So I don't know, I hope it's not your children who are killed by these people they're allowing in. You know, I, I think I'm going to start out doing some uh, man-on-the-street type of stuff because I was thinking about this. How about going out and talking about a petition? Hey, sign this petition. This is a petition that says that all Americans have to remove both their front and back doors and allow anyone into their homes to raid their refrigerators, sleep on their couch, whatever it may be. All right? And, of course, I'd be looked at as if I'm an insane lunatic. Well, the problem is, isn't that what we're doing with our borders? Isn't that how we're treating being a citizen of this country? It means nothing anymore. Isn't this when only 86% you favor, uh, <laughs> are against, I should say, 86% are against non-citizens voting in our presidential election? That should be a no-brainer. That should be 100%, yet it's not. So this mindset, this socialist mindset, is the absolute destruction of freedom, not only in America, but in on the entire planet. And that is the end game. That's the goal. And don't fool yourself because that's what these elitists really want. Now, truckers are always good for um, the correct response. And here we have pro-Trump truckers threatened to refuse New York City deliveries after the verdict against President Trump, and of course, you know, Engeron is a criminal, in my opinion, my humble opinion. He's a criminal. He should be taken off the bench, and he should be penalized. He should be he should be the one paying what he uh, ordered Trump to pay. He should be the one who's paying the price because he completely violated the Constitution, and he completely violated President Trump's rights, all because he has a hatred of Trump, and he even talked about that hatred before he got this case. He should have recused himself, and we have all the DAs and everyone else that you all know about already, but, and again, that's my opinion, and I allege that he he did exactly that, and um, I hope and pray that someday these these people are brought to justice. And I don't mean revenge, I mean justice. The difference between us and them is that we would give them a jury trial. We would give them a, a fair defense because we actually believe in the Constitution, right? Right? But we would believe that the truth and the preponderance of the evidence would show that these people are guilty as we all believe they are guilty and uh, they should be punished for it. So kudos to the truckers. I hope they go through with this. And... Um, Sorry, New York, but I'm, I imagine you're bleeding even more citizens than ever because people can't stand to live there anymore, just like California. All right, so Trump, speaking of Engeron, he savages the, the judge uh, because of the case. And uh, he said, you know, this election interference and tyrannical abuse of power by a crooked judge and crooked attorney general cannot be tolerated. I think that's just kind of just what I said and says my case is already my case was already won in the appellate division and more than 80% of the frivolous claims were wiped out yet as I suspected and in order to hurt me and the Republican Party politically I hate to tell you Mr. Trump the Republican Party is dead 
the Republican Party needs to be taken over by the America First patriotic citizens of this country who believe in freedom and equality and the application of law equally across the board. They like to paint us as radical nut jobs. However, we're not. We take the we take the fabric of America very seriously and, and the foundation of America, I should say, very seriously and believe in it very seriously. So um so Trump rightfully comes out and you know he says using a statute that has never been applied like this before, the corrupt judge conspired with the crooked attorney general, Letitia James, who has her own problems right now and punished a liquid and beautiful corporate empire uh, that started in New York and has been successful all around the world. And uh, let's not forget here, you know, the bank made $100 million off of this or some such number, a high number. Trump says $100 million. I, I don't know. I don't have the proof of that. But um, the point is nobody suffered. Nobody lost, right? And isn't isn't it the bank's obligation? Aren't they supposed to do due diligence to protect their their shareholders to, to protect them against uh, a loan that is too high of a risk? Yes, uh, so I can go and I can say, hey, you know, my 1964 vehicle is worth X amount of money. And when it comes to getting a loan to purchase this vehicle, well, the bank's gonna say, um, well, that depends, you know, what is the quality of the vehicle? And if they don't find that that's acceptable, they're not gonna give me the money. And that, that's their responsibility. And that's the same thing with this. They didn't lose a cent. As a matter of fact, they profited from it. They even came in court and said that. And this corrupt judge uh, went ahead and, and played God anyway. And I think we're all sick of that. All right. Outgoing European leader leaves colleagues with a final piece of advice to stop whining about Trump. He said, we should stop moaning and whining and nagging about Trump. This was the Dutch Prime Minister, Mark uh Rudy, he told that to the Munich Security Council conference, according to uh, Reuters. And, um, you know, great advice because President Trump, they like to attack him in all different ways. And everybody's spending time and jumping on the bandwagon instead of focusing on what? Focusing on results that the man gave us and focusing on the, the uh, accountability that he brings to the table. Um, you know, he this gentleman even posted a chart uh, showing that the U.S. is paying 3.3.5% of the GDP on defense spending, right? With Poland and Greece, the only other NATO nations spending over 3%. So Poland and Greece spending over 3% along with the United States, 3.5% of the GDP on defense. So we all say we're tired of these wars. We all say... We don't want to be we don't want to be feeding the military industrial complex and that's you know that's why I said the Republican Party is dead because um, it's just part of the deep state in a lot of cases. We have a few people that really speak their mind and that really uh, are there for their constituents, but largely the Republican Party is part of the deep state, right? And this is another example of that. So 3.5% of the GDP, only Poland and Greece along with the United States do that. Why should we be funding the Ukraine? Why should we be funding all these other countries and defending them with the blood of our youth and the treasures of our nation, the treasure of our nation? We should not be doing that. We should not be doing that. 
and voting for Biden or anybody other than Trump in this next election is going to ensure it's going to ensure the deaths of future Americans. It's going to ensure the debt of America, and it's going to ensure that your life is not no is not nearly as good as it could be. And that's the fact. And um, unfortunately, the media is unreliable and lies every chance they get and uh, will not come out and say the God's honest truth like me and many other others in the in the alternate media are saying on a daily basis. So I wanted to share those stories with you because they kind of set the stage for this whole concept of socialism. And uh, we'll get into that right after this. This is what we think of when we think of Armageddon, the utter destruction of America. There is no need for bombs, no need for World War III. Chaos, slavery, and terror will reign. The complete destruction of America and of freedom can be accomplished by one man. Ignore the thought police and subscribe or follow the Patriot Review. It's your patriotic duty. All right, the first video I'm going to show is Milton Friedman, one of my very favorite economists. Um, he appeared on Phil Donahue a couple times, really took him to school, and uh, he talked... It was kind of like the original Ben Shapiro in the, um, you know, as far as being up in front of a group and challenging students and, and um, when it comes to the economy and particularly capitalism versus socialism. So I think he sets a good groundwork for the difference on a financial level. And again, you're going to be able to get some great talking points out of, out of these three videos. And the first one here is Milton. I am going to go ahead and kick that. It's a funny thing. After the fall of communism, everybody in the world agreed that socialism was a failure. Everybody in the world, more or less, agreed that capitalism was a success. And every capitalist country in the world apparently deduced from that that what the West needed was more socialism. <laughs> And it doesn't matter whether you're talking about the United States or you're talking about Germany or you're talking about Britain or any or many another country, or Japan for that matter. But let's that's obviously absurd. And let's look right now. The opportunity that we have to as close a thing to a free lunch as you can conceive of. President Clinton has said, as part of his program, that what we need is widespread sacrifice and concentrated benefits. He doesn't stress as much the fact that there would be concentrated benefits as he does that we absolutely have to have higher taxes and, uh, and sacrifice in order to get this so-called deficit under control. 
The fact is that we need exactly the opposite. What we need and what we can have and what is the nearest thing to a free lunch is widespread benefits and concentrated sacrifice. It's not a wholly free lunch, but it's close to it. Let me give you a few examples. The Rural Electrification Administration was established in the 1930s in order to bring electricity to farms when about 80% of the farms did not have electricity. We now have 100% of the farms have electricity. They shifted to telephone service. Now 100% of the farms have telephone service. And the Rural Electrification Administration keeps on going merrily. Suppose you just abolish the REA. All it's doing is making, making low interest rate loans to concentrated enters, mostly to so-called public utilities, the electric telephone companies. <clears throat> The people of the United States would be better off. They'd save a lot of money. It could be used for tax reduction. But not only would they be better off, who would be hurt? A handful of people who deserve to be hurt. <laughs> they have been living high on the hog. They have been getting, uh, uh, getting government subsidies at the expense of the rest of the population. I call that pretty nearly a free lunch. Let me give you another example. This illustrates Parkinson's law. In agriculture, in 1945, there were 10 million people employed on farms. 10 million, both either family or, or hired workers. And the Department of Agriculture had 80,000 employees. In 1992, there are 3 million, or there are 3 million people employed on farms, and the Department of Agriculture has 122,000 employees. <laughs> if we take the part of it that's most specifically agricultural, the money that is classified as being spent for the stabilization of farm prices and farm incomes, we were spending $1,500 in 92 prices adjusted for inflation. We were spending $1,500 per person employed in 1950 and $5,500 in 1990. Now suppose we just abolish that program completely. Most consumers in the United States would benefit. Food would be cheaper. There'd be less of their tax money going uh, to uh, encourage farmers to produce goods to be stored in warehouses to be destroyed and given away. Isn't that almost a free lunch? Not even the farmers who get these, these monies now would really be as badly off as they think they would be. Because most of the money they get, they just spend on producing things they shouldn't be producing, buying fertilizer they shouldn't be fertilizing, and so on down the line. So we have a free lunch there. And you can keep on going. There's hardly an item in the budget which does not offer such an opportunity. <clears throat> it is said, what the liberals will tell you about this, what the Clinton people will tell you, is that, well, all of those things are there because the people want the goodies, but they're just too stingy to pay for. 
That's utter nonsense. The people don't want these goodies. Suppose you put up to a referendum of the American people a simple proposition. You buy sugar, and you have two choices. We can set up things so you buy sugar that is produced out of beets, uh, uh, beets grown on American farms and cane sugar in American farms and so on. Or you can get the sugar from El Salvador or Philippines or somewhere else. Now, of course, if you insist on having homegrown sugar, it'll be twice as expensive or three times as expensive as if you have sugar from abroad. Suppose you had a referendum on that. Do you think you'd get an overwhelming vote to have the higher price sugar and not the lower price sugar? Nonsense. The people don't want that. A very small group of special interest, of selected group, that concentrated benefit group want it, and the people never hear from it. The people never have a chance to express their, their will. We are not governed by the people. That's a myth that carries over from Abraham Lincoln's day. We don't have government of the people, by the people, for the people. We have government of the people, by the bureaucrats, for the bureaucrats. <laughs> Again, let me take another myth. President Clinton says that he's the agent of change. Without asking what kind of change and whether it's good change or bad change, but leave that aside for a moment. That simply is, in the economic area for the moment, that's false. And the reason why he gets away with it is because of the great mistake of talking about the 12 Reagan-Bush years as if they were one period. They weren't. You had Reaganomics, uh, Bushonomics, and now Clintonomics. Reaganomics had four simple principles. Lower marginal tax rates, deregul less regulation, restrained government spending, uh, a monetary policy devoted to stable prices, non-inflationary monetary policy. While Reagan did not achieve all of those, he made good progress on them, as you all know. What was Bush's policy? It was exactly the opposite, as judged from what happened. Higher tax rates, more regulation, increased government spending. So that was a reverse. Now, what is Clinton's policy? Higher tax rates, more regulation, more government spending. So far from being an agent of change, Clinton's economic problems is Bushonomics writ large. He is a true, proper successor of Mr. Bush. We know what the results of reverse Reaganomics were. I hope we don't see the results of Bushonomics writ large. On a more fundamental level, if we get below this immediate surface, our present problems, both economic and non-economic, arise mainly from the drastic change that has occurred in my lifetime and in the lifetime of many of you here about the relative importance of two markets, two different markets, for determining who gets what, when, where, and how. We have two such markets. We have the economic market 
operating under the incentive of profit. And we have the political market operating under the incentive of power. And what has happened in my lifetime was that the relative importance of the, of the economic market has declined in terms of the fraction of the country's resources that it is able to use. And the importance of the government market, of the political market, has greatly expanded. To summarize, but I want to go, back, go on at a little greater length, but to say in advance, what we have been doing in my lifetime is to be starving the market that has been working and to be feeding the market that has been failing. You say that, yes, indeed. That so that is, um, that is uh, Milton Friedman, as I said, and... What you're supposed to get out of that, right? So what you get out of that is basically, number one, he just ended with the comment that the economic market in importance was shoved way down and that the, the political market becomes became of major importance. And we've seen that. Not only have we seen that, you've heard me mention that uh, Mussolini defined communism, or fascism, I mean, as corporatism. And we've seen the ugly rise of corporatism, um, the hand-in-hand -hand partnership between woke leftist corporations and the Democrat Party and basically the deep state. There's there's rhinos involved as well, right? So the, the lesson here is, is that, plus whenever government gets involved, the expense of whatever they're involved with goes up. And it goes up and it goes up for one reason only, and that is to line the pockets of those that are involved. And uh, the lobbyists and uh, the, the contributions start flowing more and more and more. And the legislatures are beholden to these people. And there you have the strengthening of this corporatism and the cycle goes round and round. And it's precisely because of this cycle that we are having such a difficult time overcoming all of the damage that these people have done to our country. I'm gonna come back and we're gonna talk about why is socialism so attractive to the, our youth, our younger people. Be right back after this.
All right, so this is uh, Jordan Peterson, Why Young People Don't Understand Socialism. And uh, I'll play this and be right back. On around, I know you've had, when you speak to, to uh, not just college campuses, but you've been to events around the world. I think 250,000 well, people you've spoken in front of. I mean, people are unbelievably ignorant about history. And, and I mean, I, I would include myself in that. You know, I mean, I, I know what I know about the history, say, preceding the 20th century is very sketchy. It's embarrassingly sketchy, you know. Um, and what young people know about 20th century history is non-existent, especially about the history of the radical left. I mean, how would they know? They're never taught anything about it. So why would they be concerned about it? And, you know, it, it, for, for many of the people in the audience, you know, you're old enough so that the fall of the Berlin Wall was... Well, that was part of your life, you know. That was really the end of the Second World War, let's say, in, in, in a technical sense. And it was very meaningful. But that's a long time ago. There's been a lot of people born since then. And it's ancient history. And we don't have that many good, bad examples left, you know. There's North Korea. Um, there's Venezuela. But we're not locked tooth and nail in a war with, you know, in a proxy war or in a cold war with the Soviet Union. And, and it's easy to understand why people are emotionally drawn to the ideals of socialism, let's say, or of the left, because it draws on, it draws its fundamental motivational source from a kind of primary compassion. And that is always there in human beings. And so that proclivity for, for sensitivity to that political message will never go away. And so, and, and it's important to understand that. You have to give the devil his due, unfortunately. You, <laughs> <laughs> you, you've also said that people aren't as resentful at the success of others as we might think. And I think as, as you watch a lot of people being interviewed today and you watch some of the students being interviewed, you saw some of the ones up here, you hear people talking a lot about inequality, but you say they really aren't as resentful as we might think as long as they don't think the game is fixed. Yes, well, that's certainly the case. Well, first of all, I mean, if you look at the psychological literature to the degree that it's accurate, which is difficult to ascertain often, um, people report far more prejudice against their group than against themselves. So, so that's quite an interesting phenomenon as far as I'm concerned. So um, w there's a tendency for people to exaggerate the degree to which the group they belong to has, is currently suffering from, from generalized oppression. They've been relatively free of it themselves. Um, I also think that yeah, fairness is an, an absolutely essential, and perceived fairness is an absolutely essential component of peace because people can tolerate inequality, so to speak, or even revel in it, let's say, if they believe that the unequal outcome is deserved. I mean, look at how people respond to sports heroes. You know, everyone... No one goes to a sports event and boos the star, even though he or she is paid much better and attracts the lion's share of the attention, hopefully not in too narcissistic a manner. People can celebrate success, but they do have to believe that 
the game is fair and, 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 and the game needs to be fair because otherwise the hierarchy becomes tyrannical. The problem with the radical left is that it assumes that all hierarchies are tyrannical and it makes no distinction between them and that's an absolute catastrophe because you know, there's plenty of sins, let's say, on the conscience of the, of the West as a, as a civilization but you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater and there are far worse places like all the other places, for example, <laughs> that there have ever been. Well, it's the case, and people also don't understand that, and they also don't understand this is something that's of particular importance. They also don't understand, and that, that may even characterize you in this audience, it's very, the, the knowledge of how rapidly we're making economic improvements around the world, in the developing world, for example, how fast that's happening, that is not well distributed knowledge. You know that between the year 2000 and the year 2012, the rate of absolute poverty in the world fell by 50%. Now, it's a UN figure, $1.90 a day, that was their cutoff for absolute poverty. And so the cynics have said, well, you know, that's... a pretty low barrier. It's not such an achievement to have attained that, but I can tell you it's an achievement to have attained that if you were living on less than a dollar ninety a day to begin with. But if you look at if you double the amount to three eighty or you double it again to seven sixty, you find the same pattern. I mean the poor in the world are getting rich at a rate that is absolutely unparalleled in all of human history. And I think I think a large part of that large part of that is happening in Africa, where, by the way, here's another lovely piece of news. Um, the child mortality rate in Africa is now the same as it was in Europe in 1952, which is, I mean, that's an absolute miracle. It's, it's, it's insane that that's not front page news, right? It, it, it's, that, that's, that's within a lifetime. And the fastest growing economies in the world are also there. And so... Um, and but, but as you're saying, but, but why isn't it front page news? And when you're considering social media and how fast news and photos and all that can travel and that young people are aficionados of all this technology, yeah. why don't they know these things? Or why aren't they computing what they see as being progress? Well, I, I think part of it is that things are changing so fast that none of us can keep up. Like, it's hard to keep the story updated. I had no idea, for example, that most of the world's economic news, and even a substantial proportion of its ecological news, by the way, was positive until I started to work on a UN committee about five years ago on sustainable economic development. And I read very widely economically and, and also ecologically and realized that things were way better than I had any uh, any sense of that that, that that these improvements had come at a tremendous rate and and but you see part so so partly it is just that it's so new that we don't know and we don't have a story about it and 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 who is who who's who would be driving the communication of such things especially given two other things one is that human beings are tilted towards negative emotion in terms of its potency. And so, for example, people would rather, they much, they're much less happy to lose $5 than they are happy to gain $5. We're loss averse. 
are we're more sensitive to negative emotion than we are to positive emotion. And there's a reason for that. And the reason is, well, you can only be so happy, but you can be dead. And, and <laughs> right, and I mean dead is that's not good. And and there can be a lot of misery on the way to that end. And so we're 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 tilted to protect ourselves, and that makes us more interested in some sense and more easily captivated by the negative than by the positive. And so that's, that's a hard bias to fight. And then when you also take into account, and I think this is something that's ser worth seriously considering, because the other thing we don't understand is the technological revolution that's occurring in every form of media. Uh, no one understands it. And, but one of the consequences is, is that the mainstream media, so to speak, is increasingly desperate for attention, right? They exist in a shrinking market with shrinking margins. All of the leading newspapers and magazines are feeling the pinch. Television is dead you, because YouTube has everything that television has and then an incredible array of additional features. And radio is being replaced by podcasts. And so it's a very unstable time for the mainstream media. And what would you expect? them to do except to do whatever they can to attract attention in whatever manner they can manage. One example of this, one very good example of this is you, you may or may not know that the rates of violent crime in the United States and, and actually in most places have, have plummeted in the last 50 years. It's, it's really quite remarkable. The United States is now safer in, in terms of violent crime than it has been since the early 60s and that was probably the safest time there ever was. Um, but the degree to which violent crime has been reported has increased. Um, it, it, it's funny, the curves are almost completely opposite to one another. This is the decline in violent crime. This is the increase in the reporting of violent crime. And the reason for that is, well, people read stories about violent crime and then, of course, they're much more likely to believe that it's on the increase. And the people who are most likely to believe that it's on the increase, by the way, are also those who are least likely to be affected by it. Because, you know, to be a victim of a violent crime, well, it helps to drink too much, but it also helps a lot to be young and male. And th those aren't the people who are particularly afraid of violent crime, even though they're the ones most likely to be implicated in it. Ben Shapiro is one of the... All right, interesting, interesting, interesting uh, topic and uh interesting talk isn't it funny how you know he's right he's right on and even this show i mean we talk about all the all the challenges and all all the uh difficulties that we have and and um i sound the alarm and i admit that absolutely this is an alarm that needs to be sounded because what's happening is we are going to lose our country because of um all this these these efforts to to turn in, us into a globalist world a one world government and uh, we're seeing some terrible things happen around us, that's for sure. All of that said, we still do live in the best country in the world, and there can be no question about that. We also have, um, we still have a voice, and I think the whole COVID thing put us in a, put us in this box, right? We were isolated, and I think that that is where all this started, where people said, you know what, this is crap, and all this all this stuff around us started to be exposed and then the election happened and that exposed even more and then the 
the um, the knee-jerk reaction of those in power was so severe that they now have political prisoners, right? That they are now raiding school moms' homes, that they are now sending FBI agents into the churches. Uh, you can't make this stuff up. And this is all a giant landslide towards socialism, communism, and fascism. And that is why there's so many people like me who are sounding the alarm, and rightfully so, and trying to get people motivated to do whatever they can, whatever your abilities are. I told you about my effort, Operation Restore in 24. I'll be on Amber May's show uh, coming up in a few days and uh, talking about it. But basically, it is right now on Frank Social. You go to Frank Social, you follow my show, just search for the Patriot Review or search for me, Jeff Wagner, and follow my show. And then you can join the group, Operation Restore in 24. I need people who can write, uh, who can write uh, sample letters, basically, or templates that uh, others can cut and paste and modify and uh, send to their representatives. We need to increase our voices. We need to increase the number of our voices that are reaching those people who are, are in the position to help save this country. And um, it could have a great impact if we get everybody on board and they get some help doing that. So Operation Restore in 24, it's on Frank Social. Look me up, join the group, and um, we can get moving on on helping people reach their representatives so that they can have an impact. Um, that video I'll talk a little bit more uh, about on the, on the uh, return after this break. Hey Patriots, it's Jeff Wagner. Let's face it, it's getting harder and harder to make ends meet. It's only gonna get worse. This inflation is gonna continue. As a matter of fact, our dollar is in jeopardy of even existing with the crazies that want to go to the digital currency to control us all. You can go to Kirk Elliott, PhD, dot com slash the Patriot Review. Get all kinds of free, great information and invest in gold and silver for your future. Our world is full of electromagnetic fields that even though we can't see them, are affecting our bodies, our sleep, and even our ability to think clearly. The advent of 5G is only making this worse. There is an answer. Visit Fix the World by clicking the link in the Patriot Review show description below to view natural products that can actually protect you from EMF and 5G and even improve your sleep. Skeptical? Get the free Dangers of EMF Radiation ebook free by clicking on its direct link also in the show description. Here's a nutritional hack anyone can master. Replace a meal a day with our kingdom feel. Or if you're a mosh in the gym, Add a shake to your daily meal plan. Our unique meal shakes are balanced, low glycemic, rich in fiber, 20 grams of clean protein, essential vitamins and minerals, healthy fat, and organic fruits and vegetables. Kingdom Fuel is vegan with a complete amino acid profile. Bottom line, it's a simple start to a transformed life. No gimmicks, just results. Start today. Hey Patriots, you can save up to 66% at MyPillow.com when you use the code TPR. That stands for The Patriot Review. That's TPR or call 800-519-9927. That's 800-519-9927. I use these products myself. I can tell you they are the best quality bar none. 
So go ahead, use the code TPR and get up to 66% off right now. Coming to you from the land of common sense and American pride. Not a unicorn or rainbow in sight. Welcome back to the Patriot Review with Jeff Wagner. All right, so what have we covered so far? We have a great example from the agricultural side as to why government getting involved in anything only raises prices, you could also argue, very successfully. It destroys jobs, and it gives us something we never asked for. We talked to, he, uh, Milton Friedman talked about a referendum, right? And, and you, you think about that, and he says, you know, it's not we the people, it's we the bureaucrats for we the bureaucrats, right? And we're, we're all feeling that. So we talked about that from an economic standpoint. Then we talked about the the reasons why socialism is attractive. And I would say that socialism, remember the, the greatest example of socialism and fascism, right, that uh, people talk about is Nazi Germany. Nazi Germany, Hitler ran on a platform of what? Social issues. He ran on a platform of let's give our let's give our senior citizens medical care. Let's you know <laughs> Let's uh, let's make life easier for people, and that is um, a fallacy. Government can never make things easier for people. They only take control. They make decisions decisions for you that you would not make, and they only seek to increase their own power and enrich themselves. So, how is it attractive? Well, we talked about the the youth, and he, we talked about you know, um, well, it's it's done on that compassion level. Reagan said, if you're old enough to remember Reagan, he said that, you know, if you're in your 20s and you're not a Democrat, you have no heart. If you're in your 40s and you're not a Republican, you have no brain. And <laughs> that that whole compassionate argument, uh, our youth, they don't understand all of the other components that are involved in making a country work and making, uh, making peaceful or, or giving people their, their best chance for success and happiness. And that is only done through freedom. That is not done through dictates. It's not done through capturing their wages, which in effect is, is capturing their time on this earth because they take that time to create those wages. And you're taking pieces of people's lives away when you are taking their money away to do things that they would not normally do themselves. And we find that you know these all, these inefficient programs that the government has, uh, you know, are much less compassionate because people can be effective on more effective on their own. Our our organizations, our churches used to do those things before they got tied into you know federal laws and and tax statuses and all that kind of stuff that really limit limit their capabilities to do things. So the bigger government gets, the more the profit gets for those people that you would least like to see in positions of power. That's why it has attracted exactly those people that you would not want to see 
in large numbers. And only recently is it coming back now and people are starting to say, you know what, I've had enough, I'm going to run for office. And we see some of these people coming in and you see the automatic uh, hatred and and how they're hated and despised by this uh, machine. So, you know, you've got a couple couple things to talk about with your friends and family and um you know you can you can go back and watch these videos too and glean even more than what I'm saying because they they do it they do a better job than I do but uh, this last video is talking about now the connection between that whole emotional uh, compassionate argument that uh, is made often without regard or without further thought and the other people like you or me who try to bring reason to the conversation while we're shouted down. And that's, this is, this is the whole purpose of woke. This is the whole purpose of uh, everything we've been seeing is to beat us down. And they don't really give a damn about what they're saying. This is about power and control. And that is, that is it. So that, uh, that left us ripe for picking by this uh, this this woke movement, and in this one, um, I have Constantine Kissin who's talking about you know, how woke goes too far, and he talks about what the realities of those so-called compassionate governments, known as socialists or communists, um, what they really are. And the fact of the matter is that they really are more like fascists, because total government control is fascism. It's always a it's always coming from the left. Uh, the National Socialist Party of Germany was the Nazis, for example, and anything on the right, the far, far right, which I am not a part of, is the anarchists. I want to go back to a government, and I'm sure you do, uh, that our founders envisioned so that every person can have an opportunity to succeed, as I said before. Uh, so I'm going to get into this last video, and uh, then I'll be back to close the show right after that. Now... I want to talk to those of you who are woke and who are open to rational argument. A small minority I accept. <laughs> because one of the tenets of wokeness is of course that your feelings matter more than the truth. But I believe in you. I believe there are those of you here who are woke who are open to rational argument. So let me make one. We are told that your generation cares more than any other about one issue in particular. And that issue is climate change. We're told that many of you suffer from climate anxiety. You wish to save the planet. And for tonight, and tonight only, I will join you. I will join you in worshipping at the feet of St. Greta of climate change. How dare you! Let us all accept right here, right now, that we are living through a climate emergency and our stocks of polar bears are running extremely low. I join you in this view. I truly do. Now, what are we to do about this huge problem facing humanity? What can we in Britain do? We can only do one thing. You know why? This country is responsible for 2% of global carbon emissions, which means that if Britain was to sink into the sea right now, it would make absolutely no difference to the issue of climate change. You know why? Because the future of the climate is going to be decided in Asia and in Latin America by poor people who couldn't give a shit about saving the planet. No, thank you. No, thank you. It's going to be decided by poor people in Asia and Latin America who don't care about saving the planet. You know why? Because they're poor. 
because they're poor. I come from Russia, which is not a poor country, it's a middle-income country. 20% of households in Russia do not have an indoor toilet. What they have is an outdoor toilet. And I don't mean one of those nice portaloos that we get here. I don't even mean a Glastonbury portaloo. I mean a wooden shack with a hole in the ground that holds a collected fermented memory of the last 10,000 visits. How many of you are going to go home tonight and say, let's rip out our bathroom and erect a Siberian shithouse in the back garden? And if you're not, why should they? 120 million people in China do not have enough food. I don't mean that they don't get dessert. I mean they suffer from malnutrition. That means that their immune system is breaking down because they don't have enough food. You're not going to get them to stay poor. Imagine you're Xi Jinping, the leader of China. When you were 10 years old, there was a revolution, a cultural revolution in your country. And people came and they put your father in prison. Your mother had to denounce him. Your sister killed herself. And you, no longer enjoying the protection of your formerly powerful father, were sent to a village where you lived in a cave house. And here you are, decades later, you have clawed your way up the bloody and greasy pole of Chinese politics to be the undisputed supreme leader of the very communist party that destroyed your family. And you know that the main thing you have to do to survive and to stay in power is to deliver the one thing that the people of China want, prosperity, economic growth. Where do you think climate change ranks on Xi Jinping's list of priorities? A third of all children who live in extreme poverty in the world live in India. That means they are starving and dying of preventable disease. Now, about 15 months ago, my wife got pregnant. And for nine months, we talked about what our boy would look like, what he might do when he grows up. We looked at baby scans and videos on YouTube about what the fetus looks like at nine months and 12 months and 20 months. And eventually he was born. And he is this cute little bundle of joy. He's cuter than about 80% of puppies, right? Now, if you said to me that I had a choice, either my son had a serious risk of starving or dying from a preventable disease in the next year, or I could press a button and he would live. He would go to school. He would bring his first girlfriend home. He'd go to university and graduate and become a woke idiot. And then he'd get a job and get married and have children and become a man. But all I have to do is press this button. And for every day of my son's life, a giant plume of CO2 is going to re get released into the atmosphere. Now, you're all very young and most of you are not parents. Let me tell you something. There is not a parent in the world who would not smash that button so hard their hand bled. You are not going to get these people to stay poor. You're not even going to get them to not want to be richer. And so I put it to you, ladies and gentlemen, there is only one thing we can do in this country to stop climate change. And that is to make scientific and technological breakthroughs that will create the clean energy that is not only clean, 
but also cheap. And the, no, thank you. And the only, I, I want everyone to get home on time today, which is not going to happen. And the only thing that wokeness has to offer in exchange is to brainwash bright young minds like you to believe that you are victims, to believe that you have no agency, to believe that what you must do to improve the world is to complain, is to protest, is to throw soup on paintings. And we on this side of the house are not on this side of the house because we do not wish to improve the world. We sit on this side of the house because we know that the way to improve the world is to work, is to create, it is to build. And the problem with woke culture is that it's trained too many young minds like yours to forget about that. Thank you very much. Amen, brother. He speaks it well, doesn't he? So why climate change, Jeff? Why is that the issue that you chose to show us in the end to talk about the impact of wokeness? Because climate change is driving so much of the lunacy. The World Health Organization, as you may know, is trying to shove this treaty down our throats that would allow them to determine what to do in response to health emergencies like COVID. Right, Even though 97.999% of the people who got COVID survived it, we went mad over COVID. We injected a deadly cocktail over COVID. We used protocols in our hospitals that killed people, flat out killed people because of COVID. Because fear drives all of this at the base. And climate change is, is the next big, big one that they will use. Uh, we see through the the pandemic BS, but climate change is the world's biggest health issue, and we're going to put the uh, the government uh, the 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 apparatus behind climate change to destroy freedom. That is why I chose climate change, and you're going to see it coming, and um, you can already see it coming if you've been follow it following it. And the World Health Organization is a great example of it. But um, so all of this together, you can take these points, you can rewatch these videos. I've included the links for each of them in the description, and you can jot, jot down some thoughts that you have, take notes, and be ready for those conversations with your kids and with others in your family who just can't see beyond the false narrative and the, the, the puppies are starving Christmas time video that... Um, you know, it is are based on false premises. And that's what this is. That's what woke is. It's based on lies. It's based on taking advantage of people's feelings without really giving them the facts. So I hope you enjoyed the show today. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow with another topic and with more to discuss with you. Thank you so much for your support. God bless you all. Have you ever wondered what it's like to be a January 6th political prisoner rotting away in horrible conditions? January 6th patriots are subject to cruel and unusual punishment every day and kept imprisoned for nearly three years without trial. These American heroes have to survive inhumane conditions where they lack basic food nutrients, clothing, and hygiene. Joe Biden's corrupt Department of Justice and FBI Gestapo has been making sure the families of these brave patriots are suffering as well. 
The breadwinner has been ripped out of the home, and these young families are being extorted thousands of dollars a year to keep up with commissary costs for their J6 prisoner. Many families have been completely devastated, missed mortgage payments and kicked out of their homes, and even the family car repossessed. The ongoing battle these families face to stay afloat and support their loved ones in prison is in desperate need of our help. You can now sponsor a January 6th family to help support them in their greatest time of need. SponsorJ6.com is a new organization started by January 6th political prisoner for 965 days, Jake Lang, ensuring 100% of funds made go to Patriots commissary accounts. By becoming a sponsor of a J6 family, you can ensure one of the nearly 200 currently incarcerated J6 prisoners is properly clothed and fed. Sign up today to give the vital help these families need and make a real impact in the lives of our POWs. Head to SponsorJ6.com and 